I always stress our sound that man out because I turned this on and off without thinking about it. Anyways, but so good to see all of you. And um, whoever last week thought it was too cold and you prayed for warmer weather, thank you. It's, uh, um, but please cut that out. All right. We like it. Uh, that's for about 74, right? With a little breeze or 76 with a little breeze. Anyways, but uh, so good to see all of you. Uh, if you're our youth group, uh, give us a, hey, all right, where's the youth group? Hey, all right, we got some. Yeah, all right, all right. And then um, 242 College, and uh, any college, 242? Yeah, okay, there's a few, all right, cool. And then the rest, all right. Um, but uh, it's so good to see all of you. I don't know if you have had a chance to, there's this uh, TV show that's out that you probably didn't hear about, um, but I'll let you know, it's pretty good. It's this uh, TV show that, it's called uh, Squid Games, right? I'm sure you've all, how many of you have seen, seen it already, right? Some of you have seen it. Um, how many of you binge watch it all in one day, okay? All right, yeah, right? Um, it, it's so popular because whatever, it's well-made or whatnot, it's, it's, but the whole story about greed, right? And there's a scene where they're all, I'm not going to spoil it, all right, so don't worry, but there's a scene in the beginning where um, after someone had, some of the people had died, their people want to go home, right? Remember that scene? And now they're looking and they're saying, we want to go, you know, we don't want to die. And then they lower this big what, piggy bank in the sky and with the sound uh, you know, of money falling down. And then once they look up at it, you see there's a little scene where their facial expression just changes. It went from, oh, my life, what if I die to, oh, it's, this is worth more. And that, from that moment, there's this whole battle with greed and money and all the things that they want. And uh, we've all been there, right? And we know what that is like. And we relate because we say, I know that feeling. Uh, boy, I wonder what I would do. If someone today after church handed you a card with a triangle, a square, and a circle, run, okay? It's, uh, don't, don't call the number behind it. But we say, I wonder what I would do. I wonder what kind of situation. But it is a picture of the nature of the human soul that there is something we want more, something we crave. And why is it that it is the number one show right now? Because everyone in humanity says, I relate. I know what that's like. I know what it is to be broke and in debt and hurting and struggling. I know what it is to want something. What would I do? Who would I now give up, sacrifice to go and get something? So anyways, uh, we see that here. Today we look at a passage that we all know so well. Jesus, as he is uh, in the crowd, a young man approaches him, and the young man says, can you tell my brother to split the inheritance? And Jesus answers him. And then he finishes the answer with a parable. And today in our text, we're going to be looking at this idea of greed, what we all struggle with. Uh, six truths about greed, and we're going to run through these six truths. Um, and I think for all of us, uh, we want to be also very careful to hear these things and to realize if, and to be alert about this. You know, first of all, the first truth about greed we see is that greed makes you value things 
more than people. This is the background. Someone is willing to now even fight their own sibling over money. Someone is willing to take them to court. There are people and stories today in history of mankind where people are killing their loved ones over some life insurance policy, over some riches, over certain things. And we might look at it and say, how could they do that? That's so inhumane. How can someone do that? But this is the condition of the sinful soul that we easily idolize the things and easily we can say things are more important than people. And how sad is this? Two brothers. One brother is coming to Jesus says, he is not giving to me my share of my inheritance. They're not grieving the death of their father. They're not grieving over that. He is grieving over the stuff that the father had left behind. And he is upset that his brother had not split it evenly. And he comes to Jesus and says, can you take care of this? When we read this, this ought to shock us. But unfortunately, in our culture today, you may know people. You might be related to people that have stories like this. You might have an uncle or a cousin or a friend and their family who had something like this happen. Someone died, they had money, and now siblings... Siblings who were born and grew up in the same household, sharing life together, are willing to sue and hate the other person because they value the other things. Greed does that to us. And so greed is not a casual, simple sin. Greed is not something to be taken lightly. Greed is a sin that sneaks up on us and that makes us now value things more than people. When the brother comes to him, and in verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus' answer is this, but he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Jesus often asks a question. And God often does this. He did this in the Garden of Eden when he asked Adam and Eve, where are you knowing where they're at? And here he asks, who made me your judge? He is basically asking and telling him, so, are you, am I your Lord? Are you going to listen to me? Do you want to hear how you ought to live and how you ought to treat the things of this world? Am I your judge, he is saying? Or do you just want me to go and tell him these things? You look at the news today, and the sad stories, right? The story of, right now, what is popular and trending is the story of... Uh, Britney Spears, right? The, what is she, the 90s or 2000s uh, pop star who is in this public battle with her father, right? And uh, over her, and I was listening to uh, uh, one of the podcasts and they were talking about how she's worth something like $60 million and has no control over it. And now they're fighting for control. And I don't know, you know, we don't know if it's the dad's fault or her fault or whatnot. But think about this for a moment. Those of you who are parents, all of us um, have parents. The dear baby that you had, the dear child that you had, you've come to a situation now where you are publicly suing each other over money. Because we want the money 
over the person. And somehow the money became more important than the father or the daughter. Can you imagine that? But it happens. The sad story recently of the late Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant's wife was being sued by her own mother for back pay. She said, I helped babysit, you owe me money. Can you imagine that? And they recently settled out of court for an undisclosed amount of money. Can you imagine a loving grandmother saying, well, every time I wiped you know, their butt, I cleaned their diaper, I'm going to charge you. Can you imagine a loving grandmother saying that? Can you imagine now a grandmother and a mother fighting? It happens over greed. And so we have to be also very careful. It's not because these people are less intelligent or immoral or something like that. It's the accumulation of wealth. And what happens here is the two brothers saying, hey, he left his land behind. Where is my share? Why are you taking this and I don't get to take this? Greed will make us value things over people. The second truth about greed is greed will sneak up on us. It sneaks up on us. Why is it that he gives such strong warning? He gives two different warnings in verse 15. Jesus said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For life, one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possession. Be, uh, uh, take care and be on your guard. Twice it is warned. Jesus doesn't warn us with those words regarding any other sins. Murder, adultery, stealing, fighting, nothing. But when it comes to covetousness or greed, he says, take care. Be on your guard because greed will sneak up on us. Greed happens to us when we don't even realize it is happening to us. And today we dignify it as quote unquote as adults, as businessmen, as professionals. And we don't realize we are in greed. And so we have to be also very careful. It says to take care. That phrase take care. Horao. Take care. It means to look with your eyes. Keep your eyes open. Inspect your life. Inspect your heart. And he says to be on your guard. Being on your guard has the idea of not just a guard that is guarding for nothing. It's a guard that is looking out for something. A guard that is out there looking for something in particular. One of the uh, reality shows, I think it was on National Geographic or something like that, I saw a little bit was the training and, and uh, kind of behind the scenes of these border patrol uh, agents. And so they're at the border of the country and they see people try to smuggle in drugs and people and whatnot and the things that they look for. And so they are on the guard, not just in general for anything, but they are looking for particular things and they are looking for certain cars that look like they're too low or certain cars that the tires seem overinflated or they're looking for people when they ask who they are, where they're going, if they are nervous or they can't give a specific answer and they're looking for these things. They are on guard for something specific and he tells us to be on your guard. Take care against all types of covetousness. And so you know yourself. What stumbles you? What affects your heart? You know, if you catch yourself watching Crazy Rich Asians the 12th time wishing you were that girl, right? Or at least you were that guy. Or wishing, oh, I wish my parents lived in Singapore with that kind of house. 
I wish my wedding was something like that, and this is your 12th time. Uh, be on your guard, right? If you're on Instagram and you're just looking at someone, the influencer, the rich person, the famous person, and you're looking and looking and looking, I got 500 followers, she's got 5 million followers, you know. I got my clothes from the thrift store. I'm, you know, she's giving away stuff to the thrift store. I'm hoping to get something like that, whatever it is. We have to be also very careful. If you catch yourself just daydreaming, and your daydreams are things that are material. Oh, if I could have another house. Oh, if I could have that new truck, the new car. And it is all that consumes your mind. We have to be also very careful. And it is at times like that we have to go to God and pray. We have to go to God and open up a praise song and sing to him. You are all I need. And we have to remind ourselves because it will sneak up on us. And next thing we know, we feel bad about our lives. We are dissatisfied. We start complaining to God. And we start trying to find different avenues of things that God wants, doesn't want us to do to go and make up for. We have to be also very careful. It sneaks up on us. Thirdly, greed can lead to self-centeredness. The irony is that the more we have, the more focused on ourselves we become. There's, all, uh, there's studies done about... Uh, generosity and they do it by percentage and the irony is is that those who are richer give a smaller and smaller percentage than those who earn less the more we have we could think it's about us because why even the people who might have less than us treat us like it's all about us and he says here verse 16 and he told him a parable this is where the story comes in he tells him a short parable saying, the, verse 16, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Just to pause here. Jesus in this story reminds him, the man didn't produce this. The farmer didn't make this. What made this? It was the land. God blessed them with land that produced abundantly. A farmer would often be at the mercy of the land that he has and the rain that would fall to have the crops, and the crop would lead to his wealth. He was fortunate. He was blessed. It wasn't himself. But the moment he amasses this crop, this harvest, verse 17 and on, it says, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Now this is his worry. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. I remember uh, years back, a young lady came to me. She had a job offer. She had a job offer in the East Coast, a job offer out here. She said, what should I take? What is God's will for me? And she was just upset about this. And I, I, I assume she might have even been a little bit uh, annoyed with me because I was almost laughing at her. I was like, oh, you got two jobs. That's wonderful. Well, you should work near church so you could be at church. And she goes, no, 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 but, you know, there's opportunities. And I might make more money there. I might make more money here. And we think about those things so much. You think here for a moment. In that verse 17 and 18, the word my is used four times. What am I going to do with my crops, my barns, my grain, my Goods. The word I or me is used what, nine times. And who does he ask for advice? It's interesting. He ends up having a dialogue with himself because someone, the person who is wealthy like this can become self-centered. 
Why would he go ask advice from someone who has less than him? And the wisest person in his own eyes was himself. And he has this dialogue. He's, he asks himself, verse 17, what shall I do? What shall I do? And then he answers himself, verse 18, I will do this. The moment we catch ourselves, the moment you catch yourself saying, there is no one wise around me, I'm just going to ask myself. And you answer yourself. We have to be also very careful. You think about today, when you turn on the news or social media, it is often the rich person that gets a mic in front of them that'll give you their opinion about something they have nothing to know, to talk about. Oh, the pandemic, the coronavirus, they'll put it, a mic in front of people who are just, they're only just rich, that's it. They haven't studied it, they don't have a degree in it, but they're rich, so they're all gonna tell you what they think. And you know what, people listen. Or you think about uh, famous people or athletes, and they'll put a mic in front of them. What do you think about our social justice issues of our country and history? They haven't studied this. But they'll give you their two cents about it. And they'll keep putting mics in front of it. And somehow people will listen. Because when a person has a lot, they start thinking they know it all. And we have to be also very careful. Fourthly, greed gives us a false sense of security. The money that we amass gives us a false sense of security. He talks to himself, verse 19, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. This sounds so familiar. You might have said to a friend or someone, man, you are set. You are set. This is at all stages of life. I remember back, way back in seminary school, as we were graduating, and probably the one degree, the Master of Divinity degree is the one degree that should guarantee you're not going to make that much money. And even then, guys were saying, oh, you're going to that church? They're going to pay you $900 a month? Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm going to get 1000 so, hey, I'm set. It's 10% extra. You know, it happens at all levels. And we have to be also very careful that it does not give us a false sense of security. Our security is we have to remember, in this story, there's a, he says he talks to his own soul. He doesn't talk to his body, he talks to his own soul. If we were just talking about the, the, the way our face looked or the color of our hair, yeah, those things go away with time, but our souls are eternal. How can the soul now find security in material things to relax, eat, drink, and be merry? And yet we think that our soul needs these things. So maybe another car, maybe a third car, maybe another house, maybe an add-on to my house, maybe a house somewhere exotic. Uh, maybe to expand the work that I'm doing. And we have to be also very careful that it's not our source of ultimate security. Uh, fifthly, greed values things, not only just people, but even time. You think about the most valuable things that we have, right? It's time, it's people. You cannot create more time. The richest and the smartest of people cannot extend their lives. It is gone when it is gone. Time is over when it is over. And when God says, this is it, that's it. Here, there's an abrupt interjection into the story. The guy is talking to himself. 
Oh, you're set for life. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God, and whenever the words but God comes in, it's all of a sudden a reality check in verse 20. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Fool. Don't be a fool. The, the word fool in the original language, it means fool, right? So don't be a fool. Uh, to be even more, it means someone who's just stupid. Don't be stupid. Don't think that that is what sets your life into security. Don't think that's what life is all about, are the things that you have. Don't be too ecstatic if you go and get something new, if, you, if God gives you something great. Don't be so sad if you lose something. Don't think you are worth more or less if someone has more or less than you. You fool. Don't value. Don't let greed make you value the things of life over the time in our lives. Today, in our day and age, we, uh, we see people um, that will neglect loved ones, neglect their health, neglect their time for, for work. Right, there was a study done about workaholic scale. Norwegian researchers at the University of Bergen, um, they had a test. And let me put this up. So if you fall into this, you might be a workaholic, right? Number one, you think, you're always thinking, how can I free up more time to work? Uh, number two, you spend more time uh, working than you initially planned. You're supposed to go in for three hours, heck, but you're there now eight hours. Number three, you work to get rid of feelings of guilt, anxiety, depression. You're asleep at night, you can't sleep. Hey, I'm gonna open up my laptop, I need to get work done. And especially nowadays, as we're taking work home, it becomes so much more hard, difficult. You've been told others, by others, to cut down on the work. Your coworkers, or your friends, or your spouse, or someone next to you say, hey, that's enough. Hey, you're working on that assignment. I, you know, hey, I think you've done enough. Get some sleep. And you might have heard that, and you might hear that often. You become stressed if you are prohibited from working. And they say, oh, today, there's no Wi-Fi. And you're already, oh, I got to find Wi-Fi to get work done. Uh, you deprioritize hobbies, leisure activities, exercise, number seven. You work so much, it has negatively influenced your health, impacted your sleep, and so on. And this study that's done here has said, uh, they've concluded, this, this is in Norway, but really across the board, 8.3 to 10% of people now fall into this category. Right. So it's a tenth, tenth of us, one out of 10. Now the other person might need to work a little more, right? And that person might be the one telling you to take it easy, but really this is what we see here. Uh, and he says in that verse, all these things, he asked this question, whose will they be? Well, we work hard because it's going to be mine. But he says, whose will they be? The idea is everything will be left behind for someone. Ecclesiastes 2, 18 and 19 says it so well. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. It's a warning. Ooh, right? Listen. Thank you for the sound effects. All right. Well, you think about this. This is vanity. 
Think about your most treasured things, your little collections, your favorite things. Imagine now some fool takes it over. Let's do it on a simple scale. You ever go to the beach and you work hard, you work an hour or two or three, and you make an elaborate sandcastle. What do you have to do? You have to leave it behind. You would like for everyone to come after you and just admire it, maybe just maintain it. But the fool will come, and what's the first thing that they will do to that sandcastle? Oh, yeah, you know, Godzilla, oh, yeah, and they'll just step on it and destroy it, right? What do you do when you walk down the beach and you see a sandcastle? I mean, I'm the type, I will jump on it, right? And it just brings a little satisfaction to the guy that built it. That's the fool that will come and take all your stuff. Think of the house you decorated. Think about how much fret and energy and time you put into the colors, the, the furniture, and if the flooring is going to match the ceiling and it's going to match this and the location, someone's going to come after. And they're going to tear it all out because they think it's ugly or cheap. Lastly is greed makes us forget. Greed forgets about God. Because the things, the desire for things can become now our idol. It says in verse 21, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. All of a sudden, this person is described. In this story, Jesus says, he's amassing all this for himself. He's rich to himself, for himself but he's not rich towards God. Christians, friends, brothers and sisters, let me remind us of this. God has given you time, talent, and treasure, and he's given you all those things not for you to hoard and enjoy for yourself. It is to be used by God as a spiritual gift, as a gift to help other people so God would be glorified. And let me ask you, are you rich towards yourself or are you rich towards God? It's like, uh, well, here's the main thing I get, and I want to make sure I have all of it, and whatever little bits are left, maybe I'll give to God in this way, and we have to be also very careful. Your time, your talents, your treasures, be rich towards God with it. Go and spend your time and your talent and treasures for God, not just for yourself. Don't plan your whole life just for yourself. Think, how can I go and serve someone? How can I go and help someone? How can I go and use this for God? And we have to ask ourselves these things. How can I now fight this greed that we all have? And the answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He answers our greatest needs. What our soul desires has to come not from the riches of this world, but from the riches from God. It says in Philippians 4.19, and I close with reading this first. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Who's going to supply it? You don't have to supply it. You don't have to go and win something, get something, make something, steal something to supply your needs. Who's going to supply it? It will be God will supply all of your needs. According to who? Where, where is he going to get this? According to his riches. And his riches are found in Christ Jesus, it tells us. That's why he himself is described 
as the living water. That's why Jesus is described as the bread of life. That's why he is described as a treasure in the field that you should sell all that you have to go get. That's why he's described as the pearl of great price. You ought to do whatever you can to go get it because it's worth more than your life. He is the answer. And so I want to remind us, dear church family, Crossway family, that we are here. Be satisfied. May your prayers be filled, not just with requests, but with thanksgiving. May you look to Jesus Christ to be the one who satisfies your longing. And whenever you are dissatisfied with life and you have complaints, spend the moment, pause, and go to him and say, you are all I need. And that is my prayer for us. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you don't give us all that we desire for, Lord. Um, we would be in trouble. We thank you, God, that you give us um, what we need in you. And Lord, our eyes, our greed goes after everything. It's insatiable. We cannot control it on our own. So Lord, we come to you today. Everything you have given to us is yours. We want to be rich, not towards ourselves, but towards you. So our time, our talent, our treasures, would you help us to realize they are yours? The reason we are studying so hard to get to this program, to finish this degree, to get this job, to move to this company, all of that, Lord, is for you. So, Lord, our gripes and complaints now turn to joy and thanksgiving. We thank you for all that we have in Christ Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.